What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, June 17th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Speaking of Beantown Athletics, they specialize in custom uniforms and business apparel as the only in-house union screen printer in Boston. Give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And you don't need to be from Boston to come get something done at Beantown Athletics. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Instagram at Beantown Athletics and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics. And make sure you tell them I sent you, 617 282 4181. Let's get right to it. Now, Kyle Draper, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, he's my NBA analyst, uh, covers the Celtics pregame, postgame live shows. He's the host of that show, of those shows on Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, but I have him on all season long to talk NBA. And uh, he joined me over the phone this morning. And we talked about the finals and your NBA champions. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. They won the NBA championship last night. They win game six in Cleveland, 105-97. to um, they, they did this really in a fashion that it would, to, you know, if you look, when you look back, this season really ended at the end of Game 5. Fourth quarter, Game 5, Steph Curry lights out, hitting the shots that we saw him hit all season, in which he throws up and, we, and people say, if anybody else threw up those shots, it would be called a stupid shot. Not when Steph Curry does it. And he had that type of game, and really specifically that type of quarter in the fourth quarter of Game 5, not just putting Golden State ahead, not just helping them pull away, but also putting the nail in the coffin. He put the Warriors up 3-2. to two. You go to Cleveland, and you get a situation last night in which Iguodala gets 25 points. Steph Curry also at 25. On Cleveland's end, LeBron James at 32 points, 18 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, but when Delhi only gets one point, um, James Jones off the bench only five points, and a lot of missed opportunities. On top of that, a lot of turnovers for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Way too many turnovers and, and missed open looks. LeBron James, two for ten from behind the three-point line. That's just not going to be good enough. Um, and the Golden State Warriors, uh, NBA champions, the MVP goes to Andre Iguodala. The, sh- the most shocking thing about this is when you dig deep and you look at the voting for MVP, Iguodala, re- there were 11 votes, okay? 11 votes. Iguodala received seven votes. LeBron received four. Steph Curry got zero MVP votes. Zero. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. Okay, Iguodala had 25 points last night. I get that he, he, he came into the starting lineup in game four for the last three games. He didn't start all season long. In fact, Iguodala, um, you know, he is the first MVP to not start every finals game. And again, he didn't start once in the regular season. You look at his defense, they put him in to, to cover LeBron, but also they put him in to, for for the Warriors to start small. They wanted to go small with their lineup, right? That was the strategy they took. Clearly, the strategy worked. 
But I can't look at that and say that Iguodala was the MVP. He was very valuable to a championship, but was he the most valuable? No, he wasn't. He wasn't the most valuable. He averaged 16.3 points a game, uh, 36.8 minutes, right? Uh, 5.8 rebounds, 4 assists. He, I'm sorry, Iguodala was not the MVP. It's Steph Curry. Averaged 26 points a game in 42, 43 minutes a game, right? We give LeBron all this credit for the minutes that he's playing in the series. LeBron James ends the finals averaging 45.8 minutes a game. Well, guess what? Steph Curry, not too shabby, 42 and a half minutes per game. And he averages 26. You know, we're all wrapped up in LeBron's 35.8 points per game. He averaged in the finals, almost averaged a triple-double throughout the finals. He averaged 35.8 points a game, 13.3 rebounds, and 8.8 assists. Right? So you know, LeBron almost averaged a triple-double in these finals. And, and maybe because of that, you don't look at Steph Curry's numbers and they don't jump off the page to you because LeBron's jump off the screen so much. But Steph Curry, to me, is the MVP. And really, it's also because of what he did in, in the fourth quarter of Game 5. When you look back on all this, that was the difference maker. What Steph Curry was able to do and how he was able to take his team on his back when it was Steph Curry versus LeBron, right? Remember they were, you know, they come out in that fourth quarter of game five in Golden State with the series tied at two, and it's LeBron versus Steph Curry. It almost turned into a game of horse between those two players. And guess who came out on top? Steph Curry. Steph Curry did. And I've given LeBron a lot of credit. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you got a lot of people who are hating on this guy now who is, um, you know, as a big-time losing record in the NBA Finals, 2-4 and four in the NBA Finals. My response to that is, come on, man. Come on, man. What, are you really going to go to that and tell me that LeBron James isn't a great player or isn't one of the greatest? You look at the team he had, his supporting cast. I mean, please. This Cavaliers team, without Love, without Irving, don't forget without Varejao, they should not be sniffing the NBA Finals. Not only were they in the NBA Finals, but LeBron James got him two wins and put him in a spot in which, if not for Steph Curry's outrageous performance in the fourth quarter of Game 5, we might be looking at a Cavaliers team in their own building in Game 6 with a chance to win the Larry O'Brien Trophy. But they did not do that. Golden State closes it out. I would have given the MVP to Steph Curry. It's ridiculous to me that he didn't get one single vote from the 11 people who voted. Are you shitting me? I, I, I get that Iguodala was a factor in what he did defensively and how you put him into the, into the line, starting lineup and it sort of changed what was going on in the series. But come on now. You cannot tell me throughout the six games in these NBA Finals that the biggest difference maker wasn't Steph Curry in the fourth quarter of Game 5. And on top of that, he had 25 points last night. Uh, I, please, Steph Curry is the, is the fucking MVP. And the fact that he got no votes is embarrassing for the people who voted and the league, I think. You know, I don't, I don't want to make too much of an MVP because clearly the Warriors are champions and you got to give them credit and you applaud them. Congratulations. But I mean... No votes? Zero votes. Come on now. I mean, come on now. What are we watching? What are we watching? Are we voting? Because uh, are we voting based on what we see? 
or are we voting on based on what we want to see, right? You know, this story of Iguodala. Oh, we want to give... I mean, look, I, I think that has a lot to do with how this, this stuff gets analyzed, too. The analysts, the experts, you know, they have agendas. There's things that they want to see, and those things that they want to see sometimes cloud their vision, right? Give them a little blurry view of what's going on. And maybe the Iguodala stuff was so fresh, was so hot off the presses, you know, was so big. I mean, this was a guy, too, this is a guy that, the, that, that let, going into the game last night, it was clear the strategy early on. Cavaliers were going to let Iggy shoot. They were going to let Iguodala shoot. And the game before, they were intentionally fouling him to put him at the line late in the game because he can't hit his free throws. In the final two games of the NBA Finals, they want him shooting. That's the MVP? You're going to give the MVP to the guy that the other team wants to see shooting the basketball? That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Honestly, how do you vote for finals MVP and not give a vote to Steph Curry? He didn't get one vote. Iguodala gets seven votes. The Cavaliers said, here's our strategy. Let Iggy shoot the basketball. (laughs) But that's your MVP? He had 25 points last night. Guess who else had 25 points last night? Steph Curry. All right? Steph Curry. He's the MVP. Steph Curry, you the real MVP. We know. We know that they give the MVP trophy out after the Larry O'Brien trophy. I've already ranted on this. But you and you, I reminded you of this. And when you see it again, the more stupid it looks. Right? It, it, and... and I talked about this with Kyle Draper from Comcast Sportsnet New England. I'll play that conversation with you in just a few minutes. He joined me over the phone this morning. But we, I got to get this off my chest because we got a couple audio clips I got to play for you. And one is, it's unfortunate. Here's the deal. Now let, me, let, me, let me set this up for you because I know that a lot of people, you know, am I a hockey guy? I, maybe, I guess you could say that. Um, I'm a big hockey fan. I grew up playing. Uh, I got a lot of connections in the NHL. We obviously have a lot of big hockey guests on the show. doesn't mean we don't have other big guests. A lot of big baseball guests on the show as well in the past. Um, even some football guys. I mean, I think, I'd like to think we covered Deflategate with a couple three-time Super Bowl champions uh, just as good, if not better, than other outlets. Okay? So to sit here and just call me simply only a hockey guy is not paying attention and is really sounding like an asshole if you say that. But I do love hockey. And you know, if you listen to me, I love the Stanley Cup. In fact, yesterday, you know, we saw this show's on my website, dannypicard.com. And, you know, after we do it, we put the show together. After we record the show, we put it together. And I send my producer. I have to pick out a picture. I send it to him. He does something to it. We put it on the website. Uh, and, And I wanted a picture of Taves hoisting the cup. For the Blackhawks two nights ago. Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup two nights ago. And I wanted a picture of Taves hoisting it. I sit here. I find myself for hours looking at pictures of the Stanley Cup and the Blackhawks hoisting it. I can't get enough of it. Last night, the Blackhawks took the cup to Wrigley Field. It's awesome. It's the greatest trophy in sports. It really is. And they have the greatest ceremony to go along with that trophy. So it's unfortunate for the NBA that they have their trophy presentation the night after the Stanley Cup is given out to, the, to a team, right? 
because the NHL does it right. They give out the MVP, the Conn Smythe, and then they give out, you know, then they have a ceremony for the Stanley Cup, the team trophy, right? It's the greatest trophy in sports. And I don't say this to you. I don't knock the NBA's trophy presentation as strictly an NHL hockey guy. If you listen to me, you know I'm a huge NBA fan. And in fact, as I've told even hockey guests in this studio that have joined me on the show, like Ryan Whitney, former NHL defenseman, he knows. I tell him all the time. You know, we talk before we even go on air. He's, he's like, oh, what, did you watch the hockey game the game last night? I say, well, no, I watched the basketball game. And, and I think at first even he was sort of shocked by that. But I'm an NBA guy. I will regular season hockey, especially, if there's a big NHL game on NBC Sports Network, but there's, you know, a huge NBA game on TNT at the same time, I'll watch the NBA game, regular season. And you know what? Playoffs, you might even see me watching it, unless there's a local team involved. Obviously, you know, Celtics, Bruins, they take uh, the priority. That's my priority. Those are my teams, okay? But if they're not playing, and if it's just, I don't have a horse in the race, I will most likely watch the NBA game over the NHL game. I will. So that just gives you a little background before you come at me and say, oh, you're a hockey guy. Fuck you, Danny. You know, you're attacking basketball because you hate it. No, no, no. Do your homework. Get your facts straight. I love the NBA. I do. But here's what I hate about the NBA. Their trophy ceremony. Championship. It's always driven me mad, right? You win the NBA championship. That Larry O'Brien trophy should be the thing that you hold on to. And, and maybe it's best for the NBA that they didn't give it to Steph Curry because there are great shots of Steph Curry in the locker room dancing around with the Larry O'Brien trophy, the NBA championship trophy. People spraying him with champagne. It's a great sight. Unfortunately for the NBA, you know, if he had won the MVP, they, he probably would have been holding the MVP trophy instead in that, in that video, which drives me crazy. Because in, in the NHL, they give out the Conn Smythe, which is a huge trophy, by the way. You know, they give it to Duncan Keith the night before. He takes it. He says, great. Somebody want to take this from me? <laughs> right? Somebody want to grab this? I don't, I don't really want. You don't skate around with the Conn Smythe and hoist it and show the crowd. Because quite honestly, nobody wants to fucking see it. And the player that gets it, I'm sure he's you know, honored by that and is proud of that accomplishment as well he should be. But he doesn't want the Conn Smythe in that moment. He wants the Stanley Cup, the trophy that the team won, and they have this ceremony. And then in the NBA, the night, one night later, last night, they give out the, and I told you this happens, I told you this happens. People didn't want to believe me. They give out the Larry O'Brien trophy, which is the NBA championship to the team. They all celebrate, and then they go, and now, your NBA Finals MVP. As the team celebrating with the trophy, they make it a spectacle for the Finals MVP. And, and it's almost a bigger deal. They make it out to be a bigger deal than the team championship. And it drives me crazy. So I got audio for you of both celebrations. And we could talk over and we could do this. But it's just... I, I want you to listen, right? I want you to, I just want you to see the difference. Just try and visualize this, right, in your head. What do we do first, Pete? You want to do the, uh, you want to do the Stanley Cup? No. No? We, we gotta you want to do NBA yeah. first. All right, here's, here's, uh, 
I might not make it through if we do this. Here's Adam Silva. Choked up. Here's Adam Silva last night introducing. By the way, I don't know what was going on with Adam Silva. He was brutal last night trying to introduce the NBA championship uh, in in this moment. Here's Adam Silva, NBA uh, commish. Here's what he had to say handing out the NBA championship to the Warriors. First of all, let me thank the fans here in Northeast Ohio. The Cleveland Cavaliers, owner Dan Gilbert, Coach Blatt, on an incredible season. You guys never gave up. You played with passion. You fought through adversity and through injuries. Thank you and congratulations. And now, to the Golden State Warriors, Joe Laco, Peter Gruber, Coach Kerr, and this team. What a historic season. And now, you've been waiting a long time, so I won't keep you waiting any longer. For the 2015 Larry O'Brien NBA Championship, (laughs) the Golden State Warriors. He almost forgot the name of the trophy. Oh, Silva. You know, he was a little nervous. He was nervous. He was uh, handing it out on the road. But come on. And I get it. You know, it, I get, maybe it looks worse when you watch it because clearly he looks nervous as he, and, he, and he's looking around like he doesn't know what to say next. So his words are very spaced out. Um, but he almost forgot. I mean, he didn't know the name of the trophy. He almost forgot that. And they give that out. But that wasn't it. They go, then they go, and now we give out the NBA MVP. And you're like, wait a minute. What? Shouldn't that be given out first? You get over, get that over with. In reality, Iguodala should take the NBA MVP and he should go, oh, great, thanks. All right, somebody take this. Let's get to this Larry O'Brien. Give me that Larry O'Brien. No, it's the, the, the thing, the Larry O'Brien trophy is just sitting like over in the, on a chair or something before they do this. Now, the Stanley Cup the night before. Here's, they give out the con smite. They give out the MVP. Duncan Keith says, oh, hey, take this away from me. And here comes Lord Stanley into the arena. Better late than never, by the way. Oh, what a song. They're walking in with the cup. The keepers of the cup. Everybody's in awe right now. You're like, ooh. Ooh. And you even are in awe if you're... If if they win this on the road, right? Everybody stays in the building, even though you're... You don't like to see the other team hoisted. It's just an amazing experience to see the cup. Here's Gary Bettman, NHL commish. Well, Chicago, that's three cups in six seasons. I'd say you have a dynasty. And you great fans deserve it. Congratulations to John McDonough, Stan Bowman, Coach Q, Joe Quenval, the coaching staff, and Rocky Wirtz. But let's hear it for these great players. They left it all out on the ice. 
Captain Jonathan Taves, it's your honor to hoist the Stanley Cup. <laughs> That's the moment, right? Taves and Bettman, they got the cup. Taves is already shaking the cup in his hands as they take the picture. And then, and he hoists it. And will receive it first after it is hoisted by the captain. Will it be the 40-year-old defenseman who has longed for this moment? Yes, sir. Emo team and he gets it. Half the tape. Here comes the background song. We are the champions. Oh, they're hoisting the cup. And Jonathan Taves has told him to skate it. Skate it around. Take it for a skate. Got the goosebumps yet? Tell him, Doc. Doc Emmerich. moment for him. And now it's handed off yet again to Antoine Vermeer. In my head, I'm hoisting. The sound of We Are the Champions. You've been watching the Stanley Cup Final presented by Geico, part of NBC Sports Championship season. Coming up next, except on the West Coast, is your late local news, followed by the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. And right now, over on NBCSN, our Stanley Cup Final coverage continues. Oh. That's not me, that's them! But this is me! Woo! Fucking right, baby! I mean, come on! Is there even you can't you can't even compare the two? I need some tissues. Uh you can't compare oh. the two! Oh man, the Stanley Cup, and I'm never gonna win it, and I'm so depressed. Yeah, I, I just a roller coaster of emotions when I see that thing rolled out. And just the two ceremonies are different. And and you know, it's it's Maybe it's the trophy, maybe it's the ceremony, but the bottom line is, you've got to admit, it's different. As much of an NBA guy as I am, it's a different ceremony. And I get a different feeling when I watch each one of them. And I wish the NBA would give out the MVP first, and then say, and now, here's the NBA championship. There's some, they could have two guys walk out with the Larry O'Brien trophy, and that would be a special moment. I really do. I think if they gave out the MVP... And then they said, and now, and they played that music. And two guys came out with the Larry O'Brien trophy. Maybe just one. He's got gloves on. Who knows? Shine that thing up. You don't mean to tell me you'd have Steph Curry and the boys on stage jumping around waiting for that thing to come up on stage? Of course they would. Of course they would. It's the NBA's job to set the mood, to set that tone. And I wish they would fucking do it. Because what they do is kind of embarrassing, right? And I get here about individuality in the NBA and, and superstar players. But, I mean, for crying out loud, you, you get, you, the biggest superstar on the team didn't even get the MVP. So I wish they gave that out first. I wish they would change what's going on in the NBA. But congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks. We are now done with our winter sports. And it brings us all into baseball. Unless you're, unless you're this NFL minicamp guy, which I'm not going to lie, I'm not. 
I'm not an NFL OTAs minicamp. What is mandatory minicamp? It's really an extension of OTAs, isn't it? Because isn't OTAs, yeah, oh, it's, um, it's voluntary workouts. Please, when you get a guy that's not at the voluntary workout, it's like all hell's breaking loose, right? So, wait a minute, it's, it's voluntary. It's a voluntary workout. What? Why are we flipping out if someone's not there? But that's what we do. It's basically mandatory. It's all mandatory minicamp. And what you're seeing right now is an extension of OTAs. All of it mandatory minicamp. Uh, re- I'm really waiting for June 23rd. I'm waiting for the appeal hearing for uh, Tom Brady. And a report yesterday from Sal Palantonio is that Tom Brady wants his suspension completely removed. No shit. Like, uh, was that a report? Coming up next on ESPN, Outside the Lines, we bring in Sal Palantonio. What's up, Sal? What do you got for us? Well, let me tell you something. Tom Brady, I'm being told. What's that? Oh, I'm getting new information on Tom Brady. Hold on. I'm getting a text. Oh, this is big, guys. Apparently, Tom Brady wants suspension completely removed. <laughs> and he wants to be completely exonerated from Deflategate. No shit. What do you, what do what we, why is this big major news? We're like digging now for Deflategate. What we should be doing as Outside the Lines, and I'm, I'm sure they will because Outside the Lines, they do do a lot of good work, but I've given them a lot of shit for what they've done with Deflategate and they've run it into the ground and it's a really should have been a non-issue since day one. And I also think it sparked the uh, response that the NFL gave it. All of it combined is a, turns out to be a clown show. Now, what they should be doing is turning their attention to whatever the hell's going on with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Houston Astros. You see this story, Pete? The St. Louis Cardinals are being investigated by the FBI for allegedly hacking into the Houston Astros systems. Um, let me read you the actual thing, actual report. According to the New York Times, investigators have uncovered evidence that Cardinals officials, St. Louis Cardinals officials, broke into a network of the Houston Astros that housed special databases the team had built, according to law enforcement officials. The officials did not say which employees were the focus of the investigation or whether the team's highest-ranking officials were aware of the hacking or authorized it. The investigation is being led by the FBI's Houston field office and has progressed to the point that subpoenas have been served on the Cardinals and Major League Baseball for electronic correspondence. Now, hacking is a big deal. Uh, we see it, uh, current stories going on with uh, our own government, right? Uh, this is a major issue, hacking. So this is actually illegal shit, as opposed to, you know, putting a needle in a football and maybe taking a little air pressure out of it. Not pounds, PSIs, pounds per square inch and trying to now um, suspend someone for that, and then on top of it, uh, put asterisks next to guys' names when they win championships. It's a complete joke. Maybe we should now turn our attention to real things that teams are doing that are actually illegal, which is hacking into other organizations' computer systems. Now, when they say systems or special databases, I don't know if that's emails, I don't know if it's stats, I don't know if it's, you know, uh, moneyball-type numbers that a team's putting together. Bottom line is this, you know, the Houston Astros are just currently, you know, they're an organization that's finally sort of seen their young talent succeed and produce, uh, maybe all together at the same time. 
Uh, but for the longest time, they were a very bad team. So I'm not actually sure what the St. Louis Cardinals were trying to get. But uh, this is certainly a story that we'll keep an eye on and, and is actually you know, illegal stuff going on between professional sports organizations. But we'll keep an eye also on the Tom Brady appeal hearing. June 23rd, he wants his appeal completely removed. No shit, he wants it removed. I think he'll get it removed. I do. In the meantime, keep an eye on Major League Baseball outside of the illegal stuff. The Boston Red Sox, uh, they win. They win. How about that? that? That's a real story. The Boston Red Sox win. And I'll give my quick reaction to that after I play you Kyle Draper, Comcast Sportsnet New England, the conversation with him. He joined me this morning over the phone. We talked NBA Finals, got into some offseason stuff in the NBA, and then uh, ended it with a couple Celtics dots as the Celtics get ready for the draft. Some offseason moves themselves. What should they do? Here's Kyle Draper, Comcast Sportsnet, and stick around afterwards. I'll close out the show with a couple Red Sox dots. All right, joining me now over the phone is Kyle Draper from Comcast Sportsnet New England. He is the host of Boston Celtics pre- and post-game live on Comcast Sportsnet. I use him as my NBA uh, analyst on this show. He's a regular, and uh, I have to get his take now on the NBA Finals, which is now over. Drapes, good morning. How you doing today? And, and first and foremost, as you watch the Golden State Warriors hoist the Larry O'Brien Trophy last night as the NBA champions. They win it in Game 6 in Cleveland. What was the difference maker in last night's game in your mind? Well, I thought it just basically came down to Golden State had five guys on the floor that could make shots, that could make plays. I mean, when you look at the small lineup that they employ, Cleveland had no match. As great as LeBron James is, He's the only guy on the Cavs that can create his own shot, you know, make plays for other people. And so I thought Golden State, when you had that lineup out there with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, and Draymond Green, you got five players out there that can make plays. And that was the difference in the game and really the difference in the series. I mean, you had Kyrie Irving out there and Kevin Love out there. Those guys can make plays too, but LeBron didn't have that last night. Um, when when Ky- Let's go back a little bit because when Kyrie Irving went down, a lot of people immediately ruled out the Cavaliers. And I was not one of those people because I looked at LeBron James. Uh, he is the best player in the world. You know, we don't want to hear him say that. But uh, I-, I will acknowledge that, hey, he's right even though it's just outrageous to have those words come out of his mouth. He is right, and because he's right, I wasn't going to really throw in the towel on this series and say that this was over and give up on the best player in the world and not give the best player in the world a chance. So I was giving the Cavaliers a chance. I thought the biggest difference maker in this series was Game 5 and the fourth quarter and the shots that Steph Curry hit in the fourth (laughs) quarter of Game 5. I thought that's where the Cavaliers really, when you look back, lost this series. But but let me take let me get your take on when Irving went back. Excuse me, when Irving went down, go back to that moment. What were you saying about this series when Irving went down? And did it play out the way you thought it would when Irving went down? Yeah, I think it did play out the way, you know, I thought I thought really even when Kyrie was playing, I thought Cavs were going to lose in six. I thought the Golden State Warriors were just a better team. And then when Kyrie went down, I thought, man, it might be over in five and of course LeBron you know, carried the uh, Cavs to two wins mm-hmm. in this series. And I just thought, you know what, 
it, it played out like we thought. You know, Matthew Dellavedova, guys like that, they can't do it over an extended period of time. They may be able to, you know, elevate their game one or two games, but LeBron needed somebody to elevate their game the entire series, and they just didn't have that. And so it pretty much played out. I, I thought Golden State, uh, you know, was really in trouble when they had that big lineup, and Steve Kerr did a masterful job because then you throw out that small lineup and the Cavs just couldn't burn all five positions. Yeah, Golden State, you know, they start to go small uh, in game four, right? They took Bogut out of the starting lineup. They put Iguodala into the starting lineup in game four, and he stayed there the rest of the series, so they went small, you could say. Uh, and here we are now with Golden State winning the NBA championship in six games, and Iggy gets the MVP. How do you feel about that? I don't know. You know, if I had a vote on it, I'd probably give it to Steph Curry because as good as Iguodala was, you know, everything really revolves around Steph Curry with that team. Uh, Iguodala knocked down some big shots. We know about that. But he was open for a reason, you know? Yeah. And Steph Curry was able to find him. And so I probably would have went with Steph Curry and, and – and then maybe second choice LeBron James. But for Steph not even to get a single vote, that, that's what's shocking to me. Out of the 11 voters, not one person thinking Steph Curry deserved it. I thought, you know, this whole notion that uh, Iguodala shut down LeBron or, you know, did a great job on LeBron. Sure, LeBron's shooting percentage was down. But like LeBron said last night, I mean, it was not a one-on-one game. I mean, every time LeBron drove the lane, there was traffic there, and that goes back to the value of a Kevin Love, the Kyrie Irving, guys that can space the floor. Golden State, their offense is, is so great because they got five guys that can spread the floor. Cleveland had, you know, hoping James Jones gets hot, Mike Miller, guys like that, J.R. Smith, who, you know, never really got it going. And so when you don't have shooters around LeBron James, it's hard for him to operate in there. We saw it this series. Yeah, I'm shocked, Drapes. You look at the 11 votes for MVP. Seven go to Iggy, Andre Iguodala. Four go to LeBron. Not one of the votes goes to Steph Curry. What? And, and this is my question. What are these guys watching? And, and I don't want to take anything away from LeBron James because I will be the first to tell you, Drapes, that I, and I was rooting for LeBron based on all these people that were counting him out and based on all these people that didn't want to acknowledge what he was actually doing, that this guy was playing, uh, you know, 46 minutes a night. You know what I mean? And it, and it, I think you have to remind some people that an NBA game is actually 48 minutes long. It's not 60 minutes, right? You do, because they weren't acknowledging what this guy was doing. I mean, almost a triple-double a night in this series. Um, and I'll be the first to acknowledge that and, and acknowledge how great he was. But to not give Steph Curry a vote for MVP is just not understanding what changed this series. And as I just mentioned to you a few minutes ago, Drapes, Game 5, fourth quarter, Steph Curry comes out, and he doesn't just, you know, take the the Golden State Warriors and put them ahead. He doesn't just help them pull away. He also put the nail in the coffin. And now that this series is over in six, you could make the case that that performance in the fourth quarter of game five should have won him the MVP alone. Yeah, that changed the series. I mean, because LeBron James came out to turn into what happened in the fourth quarter as well for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But Steph outdueled LeBron in that fourth quarter. And so I think it was 17-16, if I'm correct, in that game outscored LeBron in that fourth quarter. Cleveland goes on to win that. Then they're coming back home with a chance to wrap up the series. And so you're right about that. I thought 
Steph Curry in, in games four and five late in the game hit some big shots. I can't remember which game it was. It, it might have been game uh, five. LeBron hits the three to put the Cavs up by one, and Steph comes right back down and answers with his own three. That may have been the biggest shot of the entire uh, NBA Finals. And we may be talking about something different if Steph doesn't step up in the fourth. Yeah, Andre Iguodala, first MVP to not start every finals game. Again, received seven votes. LeBron received four. Steph Curry didn't receive any. Um, Iggy did did not start once in the regular season. I guess you, what they're looking at is his defense on LeBron James. Uh, your, his offense, I know Iggy scored 25 points last night, but, I mean, he averaged 16 points a game in the finals to me. That isn't good enough to get you MVP. So I guess maybe the defense that he played on LeBron, I mean, that would have to be the reason uh, most people gave it to him. But let's look at LeBron, Drapes. And, and now people are going to point out that he's 2-4 and four in the NBA Finals. But my response to that is, come on now. Come on. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't think I can look at that and sit here and tell you that this guy is a failure or that he isn't one of the best. And people are going to point to that number and they're going to stress that, well, he's not one of the best because he can't win in the finals. He's 2-4. and four. Are you looking at that stat? How much does that stat mean to you? That stat means nothing to me. And here's the thing about LeBron James. He's, a, he's like politics, religion. People have their minds made up about LeBron James. And no matter what the stats say or the numbers say, they, they won't look at LeBron in a favorable light. You look at the times that LeBron lost the finals. 2007, that Cleveland team had no business being there. This year, no business being there. They lost to better teams. The only issue with LeBron in the finals I have is 2011 against Dallas. You would argue that they should have won that. They were the favorites. They should have won that. But losing last year to the San Antonio Spurs, come on now, one of the all-time great teams and great franchises. But losing this year to a Golden State Warriors team, 67 wins, third most wins regular season and playoffs in NBA history, and you're shorthanded, it's ridiculous. And people say, oh, Michael Jordan never lost in the NBA Finals. Well, Michael Jordan never had a supporting cast as bad as LeBron James did. Think about it. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, over the last, uh, you know, 2007 and now this year, two of the three worst supporting cast in NBA Finals history. And so... The haters are going to hate, as my girl Taylor Swift said. Haters are going to hate, uh, Danny. And I know you didn't think I'd drop a Taylor Swift no, reference on you no, uh, I didn't. on this day, but I got to go there, man. People are going to hate no matter what. Well, now we know what you listen to, Drapes, before you come on the show. I mean, we know what you listen to for your morning commute as you head to Comcast Sportsnet. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and make excuses about, you know, for LeBron because I know that that drives people crazy. And, and the things that come out of his mouth sometimes drive people crazy but but you're right I mean the supporting cast is just no good I mean you could take you know without love without Irving and Drapes I even think people forget without Varejao right I mean people forget about Varejao that he was out all season long without those guys this is a Cavaliers team that you know if you took them without LeBron and you try to you you could put them in a, a BNBL tournament you know up the local up the local park here and they wouldn't be able to win a couple games in a series I'm sorry they wouldn't so I mean LeBron James the things that he did it was a great performance from him but um I guess we look at now what's next for him what's next for the Cavaliers how do you envision this playing out because I'll tell you how Vegas sees this Vegas has already made the Cavaliers the favorites to win next year's championship do you think that 
uh, you know, Love's coming back. Uh, how do you see what the Cavs can be doing here in the offseason? What's it going to look like next year? No, no, I, and I agree with Vegas. I mean, if you look at the, the Cavaliers this season and specifically this NBA Finals, you can't tell me when the Warriors went small, the Cavs couldn't match them with the small lineup of Kevin Love and LeBron James at the four and five. Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, and Schumper. To me, I, I would take the Cavs in that situation. And so I definitely think Kevin Love is coming back. And I think, you know, those people that say, oh, Tristan Thompson has made uh, Kevin Love expendable, they aren't watching the games. They don't, they're not seeing what the NBA is currently all about right now, Danny. You need spacing on the floor. And that's the one thing Kevin Love can give you, spacing out there. When LeBron drives, instead of kicking out to James Jones, he'd be kicking out to Kevin Love, who would knock down shots. And so I think the Cavs, they're in a good position. I do think, however, they probably need to uh, strengthen their bench, get a little younger in the bench area. You know, no offense to Mike Miller, Sean Marion, and those guys, but when they did, uh, you know, need the bench to step off, there was nobody there. And so I just think they uh, maybe need to get some young, younger players coming off the bench. And uh, then uh, they'll be right back there. I mean, they got to be the favorites, I think. All right. And, and the LeBron James Cavaliers future might steal the headlines away from the actual champs, the Golden State Warriors. They have some decisions to make, too. Uh, but before I ask you about them, I mean, just, for, you, you know, quickly, let's go over this team and what they did this season. Uh, and, and Steph Curry, regular season MVP. Me and you both think he should have been NBA Finals MVP. Uh, you know, this is a group that I, me and you have been talking really all year long, must see TV. I mean, whenever the Warriors were on TV drapes, this was a team that, in my opinion, you had to watch. And, and I was always watching, and they were always on TV. They always had that late-night game. But they really were appointment TV, and they did not disappoint. Um, I mean, when you look at them and you look at what the Warriors did, how great of an accomplishment is this based on maybe maybe what we what we thought of Steph Curry before this season? Because I'll, I will also say this: as good as as great as Steph Curry was this season, I don't know that I ever envisioned his career looking like this. You know, I, I didn't, and and he has now put himself in that conversation of you know, if you got a big one game to win out of all the guys in the NBA, who are you taking? And I think a lot of people would take Steph Curry right now. Yeah, and the thing I was thinking about Curry last night is, you know, there are a lot of good players in the NBA who never truly take that next step. But once you take that next step, you're virtually unstoppable. We saw that from Steph Curry this season. His confidence was just off the charts this season, and you really couldn't do anything with him. I mean, his release is so quick. He's a dead-eye shooter, and so... The Warriors accomplished this year, I mean, is truly remarkable, and Steve Kerr brought it up last night. Not only were they great offensively, they were a great defensive Think about it. They put in Andre Iguodala to start the final three games. Andrew Bogut, who had started all season long, was relegated to the bench, and yet they still got better. I mean, this is one of the deepest teams we've seen in a while. This reminded me of the San Antonio Spurs. Guys you insert, whether it's Patty Mills, or somebody like that, like we saw with the Spurs last year. They contributed this year with Leandro Barbosa, Andre Iguodala. Mm. We even saw Festus Azili make some big plays last night. And so I just think you know, the Warriors were a complete team, both offensively and defensively, and you got to credit that organization. And what do they do? What happens with Draymond Green, 
right? Because he, isn't he a free agent? And I know I've, I've heard some people here in Boston say, well, Draymond Green will be a perfect fit with the Celtics. Honestly, I'd be hesitant because is this a guy that's going to be looking for a max contract? I, I would be hesitant to give him a max contract. But where do you see a guy like that, Draymond Green, ending up? Is he leave Golden State? Does he go somewhere else? If he does go somewhere else, does, do you think the Celtics should go after him? How do you feel about Draymond Green and his future? I think he stays with Golden State because here's the issue. As great as Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and all those guys are, Draymond gives them that toughness, gives them you know something that nobody else on that team really gives them, and that's that toughness, that 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 strength, you know, to guard multiple positions. People talk about him knocking down threes, but he's a he's a great defender. We know that, and so I think uh, they have to re-sign him. They, I mean, obviously, it's going to cost some money. But, but they have to re-sign him. And so I think ultimately he stays in Golden State. But that being said, would he be as good in, in the Celtics uniform? I don't know. I wonder if uh, Draymond Green thrives off of having Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. you know? And yep. so it's a perfect fit right now for him in that Golden State uh, franchise. And so I, I don't know if he uh, would, would be a great number two option on a championship team or anything like that. Um. What about the Celtics? I'm seeing that DeAndre Jordan is someone they might be pursuing. Is that real? And and how do you feel about that, if it is? No, no. I mean, it's, of course they're pursuing him. I think every team in, in the league is pursuing DeAndre Jordan. But he's not leaving the Clippers. He's not leaving LA with Doc Rivers, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. I mean, they have the money. They're, they're willing to you know pony up to DeAndre and so I think uh, he ultimately stays there within Clipperland. It just doesn't make sense for him, unless he's just chasing money elsewhere. But of course, the Clippers can offer more, mm-hmm. even though they're uh, up against the cap. But they, they, you know, they can resign their own free agent. And so I don't think he goes anywhere. It's, you know, other teams will be courting. We know that if he just wants a money grab, maybe he goes. Uh, uh, somewhere else, but I think ultimately he stays with the Clippers. All right, uh, Drapes, finally, uh, if I gave you only one thing that you could do, you were running the Celtics, I gave you one, only one thing you can do this this offseason, uh, this summer, what do you do? What What's the move you make? Free agent signing, trade for a superstar player, trade up in the draft, what's the one thing you do? I would say trade for DeMarcus Cousins, but I don't think he's available right now this offseason. And so I definitely take a look at him come February during the trade deadline when Sacramento struggling once again. But if I'm the Celtics, I trade up in the draft. Whatever it takes to get one of those top players, whether it's a Willie Cauley-Stein, a Stanley Johnson, sit the 16th pick, well, this is a deep draft. It's such a crapshoot. I want to get a surefire guy that I know will be part of my franchise. And so I trade up into the top ten. Whatever it takes. If it takes a future first-rounder, your first-rounder this year, and a future first-rounder and a player, I go ahead and do it. The thing is, you got all these draft picks for a reason, Danny. And that's not to make all these picks. It's to use them as trade chips. Mm-hmm. So I try to trade up in the draft. Uh, all right, Drapes. Hey, you know what? I got to say this one thing, though. Uh, I'm watching the TV right now as I'm talking to you, and a, and a great moment of Steph Curry in the locker room with the Larry O'Brien trophy, uh, and they're spraying champagne all over him while he's dancing around with that trophy. It's good to see someone dancing around with that trophy because, you know, I got this one. I have a beef with the NBA, and, and you know, it's, people will say, well, Danny, it's because you're a hockey guy. And Drapes, you know, I'm a huge NBA fan, okay? You know that. Yep. So I'm not saying this as just a hockey guy, but 
And, and it is unfortunate maybe for the NBA that they give out their award and, and their championship award, you know, the night after the Stanley Cup is given out. You know, this, the NHL, they give the MVP, and then they give out the Stanley Cup. The NBA, they give out the Larry O'Brien trophy, and then they say, and now the MVP <laughs> of the NBA Finals. That drapes. That drives me crazy. That needs to change. Do you agree <laughs> or disagree? I disagree, uh, and I understand why the NBA does it. Think about it. The, the championship trophy is already – we know who won that. We know who won the Larry O'Brien trophy. The only suspense remaining is who's going to be named MVP. And so that was the big question. After the Warriors won, everybody's wondering who's going to be the MVP. Iguodala, Steph Curry, LeBron James. And so just a couple of extra added minutes of suspense, and then bam. I mean, the trophy, no offense, you know – to Larry O'Brien, the Larry O'Brien Trophy and his Golden State Warriors, but that's a great moment. But as fans, we want to know who wins the MVP. And so you save the best for last. And I'll bet you a lot of people were shocked that it was Andre with yeah, the last. I was. It sounds like you were. But, I mean, you want suspense. This is the NBA Finals. It's not true detective on HBO on Showtime. I mean, come on. This isn't a... It's entertainment, man. You know that. It's all about entertainment. Uh, all right, Drape. So that's the end of the NBA season, but I'll certainly be checking in with you uh, throughout the offseason as we keep an eye on what the Celtics do and what happens with teams like Golden State and Cleveland. Uh, thanks a lot. Great stuff throughout the regular season, and we'll be talking again soon. All right, Danny. Thanks, man. All right, nice job by Kyle Draper, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Um, I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, you name it. Just to close out the show here real quick, I, I got to give a couple thoughts, as I mentioned, on the Red Sox finally won, snapped a seven-game losing skid yesterday. And I crushed Wade Miley last week, this week, for acting the way he did when he was yanked from the game after four innings last Thursday in Baltimore when he sucked and he showed up to manager and there's just no room for that especially given the situation this team and organization is in in which they're no good and they're playing terrible baseball. Uh, I'll give my, Wade Miley credit. He put all that aside yesterday, and he gave you a very good game. Six and a third, allowed five hits, only two runs, had one bad inning in the fourth, walked two guys. He struck out eight through 111 pitches. Wade Miley picks up his sixth win of the season. Uh, I still believe the Red Sox will survive without Wade Miley, but you've got to give credit where credit's due. He did go out and give this team everything they needed to snap out of this losing skid, which was a pitching performance that put them in position to win. That's what Wade Miley did. Now, I will not sit here and tell you. Yeah, they did it without Pedroia. They did it without Hanley Ramirez. Pedroia and Ramirez were out of the lineup with minor injuries. Brock Holt hit for the cycle. First Red Sox player to hit for the cycle since John Valentin did it in 1996. You know I'm a big Brock Holtz fan. You know I think he needs to be in the lineup every day. He was in the leadoff spot last night. He's been the only guy here the last year and a half that's shown up to work every single day. So I'm a big Brock Holtz fan. But this team, even when Pedroia and Hanley are back in the lineup, and I assume they'll be back in tonight in Atlanta as the Red Sox go to Atlanta for two games to take on the Braves. They go up against the lefty in Alex Wood. Uh, it's in Atlanta, no DH. Right? Alex Wood, when you have this, David Ortiz is, I don't think, is going to play tonight. I don't. Given the fact that it's both International League ballpark and there's a lefty on the mound, David Ortiz is most likely not going to be in the lineup. But it doesn't come down to that. This is going to come down to Joe Kelly, right? 
this is the, it comes down to Joe Kelly. Can Joe Kelly come out tonight in Atlanta and give this team a chance to win? Can he? I just don't know if he can. I, I, I don't have the confidence that he will. And because of that, I can't sit here and tell you that the Red Sox, even with a win yesterday, they sit in last place eight games out of first, 10 games under 500. Even though it's June and there's a lot of baseball to be played, because of the lack of confidence I have in this entire pitching staff, I cannot, you cannot convince me that this Red Sox team, because of a big win yesterday, that they've turned things around. You know, the things that we were saying yesterday, how it looked in the dugout, you know, everybody was happy. You say, this is what they need. We said this a little over a week ago in that Sunday game at Fenway against Oakland where the Red Sox came back and won, and they swept the A's, their first series sweep of the season. And we said, this is exactly what they need to turn it around. What did they do after that? They lost seven straight games. So, Red Sox, even with a win yesterday, they did not convince me that they're back. In fact, I still believe the season is over. So, whatever happens tonight, I'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, really. Get this show anywhere you can get a podcast. Anywhere. And uh, special thanks to all the Buffalo radio stations and blogs and websites that are sharing my conversation with Jack Eichel. I had him in studio on Monday. Kobe Baker Award winner. NHL draft is a week from Friday. Eichel is going to be taken, we think, number two overall. And I think he's going to go to the NHL. He still hasn't made his decision yet, according to our conversation on Monday. Um, But when he does, I'll let you know about it. But thanks to everyone in Buffalo for sharing that conversation uh, and getting the word out. Letting people know about the Danny Picard Show. Talk to you tomorrow.